Hi, everyone. This is Dr. Margaret Paul with the Inner Bonding Podcast. And today I want to talk about why do you want to communicate? It may seem obvious to you, but there's a lot of different reasons why people want to communicate. And lots of times when partners are having problems, they say that the problem is communication. But what does that really mean? What are they actually trying to communicate? So there's a number of different reasons for communicating. And one is that sometimes we communicate to give people information about ourselves, like I'm, I'm going to go for a walk or the dinner reservation is for seven o'clock, information that the other person may need to know. Sometimes we communicate to ask for help with something such as, I need to move the couch to clean under it and I can't lift it. Would you help me? Sometimes we communicate to learn something about the other person, such as, please help me to understand why you're feeling upset with me. I, I love you, I care about you, and I really want to understand. And sometimes we communicate to ask for help regarding ourselves, such as, I'm feeling really anxious and I don't know why. Would you talk to me for a while? Maybe if I talk about it, I'll understand it. These forms of communication generally don't cause problems unless there's an ulterior motive. And an ulterior motive occurs when the intention of the communication is to have some control over the other person. When the intent of the above communications that I just talked about is to offer information, to ask for help, or to learn, then there likely won't be any problems. But these same communications can be spoken with an intention to control. The intent to control will be communicated through a harsh or judgmental tone of voice and through a hard-closed energy. So, for example, I'm going for a walk can be said just in a casual tone of voice, or it can be said, I'm going for a walk, said with anger. And that has behind it an intent to control the other person through some kind of punishment. The real communication is, you have behaved in a way that is unacceptable to me, so I'm punishing you by withdrawing from you. The dinner reservations are for 7 o'clock, can be said in a casual tone of voice, or it can be said in a tone that says, the dinner reservations are for 7, and the implication is, and you better be there. Asking for help in moving the couch can be either a request or a demand, depending on the intention. A request can be answered, sorry, I'm really busy right now. I'll help you a little bit later without repercussions. When the same thing is said as a demand, the other person isn't allowed to say no without negative consequences. You can ask some why, uh, someone why he or she is upset with you from a true desire to learn or from an intention to control. When your intent is to control, you're likely argue with whatever the person says, trying to talk him or her out of feeling upset. 
when you're upset, you can ask for help because you really do want to learn and take responsibility for your feelings or because you want the other person to fix you, to take care of you, to rescue you. People often want to communicate their feelings to get the other person to change rather than to learn and take responsibility for their own feelings. So too often communicating your feelings is a way of making your partner or others responsible for your feelings. That person has to change or do something for you to feel okay. When this is the case, your partner or others might be less than enthusiastic about communicating because his or her experience is that you're using your feelings as a form of blame and control. No one likes to be at the other end of that. So problems with communication will always occur when the intention is to control. So when my clients say, we can't communicate, I immediately know that one or both of them are coming from an intention to control in their communications, their intent on trying to get the other person to change or to agree with them. Think for a moment what you really mean when you say, we can't communicate. Be honest with yourself about what you mean by communicate. Are you really saying, I can't get my partner or someone else to listen to me and understand things from my point of view? And underneath this is, if only that person understood things my way through my eyes, he or she would change and do things my way. So what partners often mean when they say, we can't communicate, or friends or uh, colleagues, is I want to control that person and he or she won't listen to me. Think about the last time you tried to communicate with your partner or a friend or a child or parent or coworker. And again, be honest with yourself. Why did you want to communicate? The chances are that if you wanted to communicate about an interesting or funny situation that happened to you or about your own learning and growth with no agenda for your partner or others to change, the other person was more than willing to listen. But if you wanted to communicate about your feelings of unhappiness about something your partner or another person did or was doing, he or she may not have been so receptive. Or your partner or others might tune you out if you're being a victim and complaining about someone else or about a situation and wanting sympathy rather than real help. When, cu when couples consult with me and state we can't communicate, what they really mean is that they can't communicate about problems because one or both are not open to learning about themselves and the other person. One or both are trying to get the other to change rather than learning about how they are each creating their own problems and the problems between them and learning about what loving actions they each need to take. Many couples at the beginning of their relationship say, we can talk to each other for hours, yet later in the relationship, they can't communicate. This is because at the beginning of the relationship, 
They were not making the other person responsible for their feelings, nor were they trying to control the other person. They were sharing themselves and listening to the other to learn about each other. But within a short time of moving into a committed relationship, they often stop learning and start controlling. Instead of giving and sharing, they're now trying to get something from each other. They get stuck in a system where each wants control over getting what they want from the other person, such as understanding or acceptance or time or attention or approval or affection or sex. As soon as they try to have control over getting what they want, they are likely to get into power struggles because one or both resists being controlled or one continually gives in and then feels used or resentful. So while most people don't want to be while most people want to be in control, they don't want to be controlled. So when one person is coming from the intention to control, the other person may respond with resistance. Power struggles then result when one person behaves in a controlling way and the other person resists being controlled. When one person is intent on controlling and the other gives in to keep the peace, may seem like the relationship is working. But the compliant person is often covertly angry and may resist in another area, such as distancing sexually. When you give yourself up to avoid conflict, you generally resent the person you give yourself up to, which doesn't create the emotional intimacy necessary to feel sexually intimate. So what do you usually do when you get stuck with someone and you can't communicate? Do you try harder to get your point across, talking louder and faster? Do you get angry, shouting to intimidate the other person into hearing you and agreeing with you? Do you cry in frustration? Do you feel resigned, giving in, and just listen quietly to the other person? Do you walk away or hang up the phone in a huff, withdrawing your love in the hope of punishing the other person into hearing you? Do you grab a drink or food to avoid your feelings? Do you turn on the TV or open a book? Do you ruminate about how wrong the other person is and what you wish you could say to them? What happens within you and with your relationship when you do any of these things? So generally what happens is that you and the other person are distant for a while and then things calm down. But it may be some time before you and your partner or a friend or a child or parent or coworker feel comfortable talking with each other or being around each other again. Now there is a better way to approach the situation <clears throat> when you can't communicate. Good communication and conflict resolution flow naturally when two or more people are open to learning about themselves and each other. This means that it's more important to you to learn from the situation than it is to be right and to win. It's just impossible to communicate effectively when one person is not open to learning and certainly when both are not open. Think about it for a minute. How often does it work to resolve an issue or reach understanding if one person is attached to controlling the outcome of the conversation? 
But how often do you keep trying and trying while frustration is building? So what would you do differently if you fully accepted that there's no way of being heard or understood when the other person is close to learning and there's no way that you're going to hear or understand when you're close to learning? When you can't communicate, the first thing to do is to check in with yourself and make sure that you're open to learning. If you check in and discover that you're closed, angry, blaming, defensive, stressed out, or that you have an agenda, then you either need to shift your intent from controlling to learning, or you need to accept that this is just not a good time for you to talk. You might say, you know, I think I'm feeling too frustrated right now to talk about this. Let's try again in half an hour. Then you disengage and do some inner bonding work to get yourself open and caring, and then go back and try again. If you check in and you are open, the next thing to do might seem simple, but it's incredibly challenging for most of us. You need to fully accept that if you are stuck in communicating, the other person is not open, and that there's nothing you can do about it. It's very hard for most of us to accept that we have no control over whether another person chooses to be open or closed, caring or uncaring, controlling or learning. If you fully accepted your lack of control over the other person's intention and fully accepted that you can't resolve anything when one person is closed, then you can take a loving action on your own behalf. The healthy action you can take is to say, we seem to be stuck in our communication right now. Let's try it again in half an hour. Notice that you're not accusing the other person of being closed, which would also be a form of control. You're merely stating that the two of you are stuck. The challenge now, if you disengage, is to keep your heart open so that if the other person opens, so are you. This means that you walk away with love rather than with anger. And then you tend inside to any sadness or heartache over the lack of connection with the other person. Now, if the other person never opens, then you need to accept that there's no way of resolving anything with that person. And you need to open to learning about how to take loving care of yourself in the face of that truth. Staying open to learning and being able to truly listen to another person is a very important skill to develop. When you really desire to understand another, you move into an intention to learn, both about yourself and about them. When you really want to deeply know another, you listen carefully and mirror back to them what you hear them saying and feeling. It's not a matter of a of changing them. It's not a matter of agreeing with them, but of understanding them. It's not a matter of changing yourself either, but about really hearing them and attempting to see the world through their eyes, understanding the very good reasons they have for feeling and behaving the way they do. If they're very upset and are available for a loving hug, this can be a big help in calming the distressed energy, letting them know 
that they're not alone. True listening is an act of giving with no expectation of anything in return. It's a kind and loving way to interact with someone you care about. It's a great gift to give to someone you care about. Sometimes, the best thing to do when you don't seem to be able to solve problems is to let go of problem solving. We never seem to be able to solve any problems, my client Kaylee told me in a Zoom session. Every time we sit down to solve a problem, we end up fighting. It doesn't really matter what it's about. It always ends up the same. Is this normal? Aren't couples supposed to be able to solve problems? Kaylee, I asked, who usually initiates problem-solving talks? I do, she said. When you ask Hayden, her husband, to talk with you about a problem, how does he usually react, I asked. Oh, he usually rolls his eyes, but he does sit down with me, she said. Do you have any idea why he rolls his eyes, I asked. Yeah, he doesn't want to have to change. So, I asked, when you ask him to sit down with you to solve a problem, he knows that what you are really after is getting him to change. Is that right? Well, yeah, I guess so, she said. And then what happens, I asked. Well, I tell him that it's not working for me. I tell him what's not working for me and what I think we should do about it, and then we end up arguing. <clears throat> So, I said, your intent is in talking to solve the problem by getting him to change that, right? Well, yeah, he's the one causing the problem for me, she said. Kaylee, I said to her, as long as you believe that he's causing your unhappiness, you're going to continue to be unhappy. I have a suggestion for you to try. Instead of trying to get him to change so that you can feel better, try not talking about the problems at all. Instead of talking with him, do an inner bonding process and open to learning about what you can do to solve the problem for yourself. Ask your inner guidance what you need to do differently to make yourself happy rather than what he needs to do differently to make you happy. After all, you're the only one you actually have control over. The reason you keep fighting about problem solving is because you're trying to, con you're trying to control him and he's resisting being controlled while trying to have control over getting you off his back. Neither of you are accepting that you don't have control over each other, only over yourselves. With both of you trying to control, you get stuck in power struggles with no way of resolving anything. But if you focus on what you can control, which is you, then you can learn what you need to do to take care of yourself in the face of whatever Hayden does. How does this sound to you? Well, she said, I'm not sure how this is going to work. So let's say that I'm upset with Hayden for not calling me when he's going to be late for dinner. doesn't seem to be such a big deal for him to call me, yet he constantly forgets. And you're right. I, I have no control over getting him to call me. What am I supposed to do? So I asked her, what are you telling yourself that's upsetting you when he doesn't call? Well, that he doesn't care about me, that he's been in an accident, that he's having an affair. Well, then I said, of course you feel upset because you're telling yourself things that you don't know to be true. 
What if you told yourself, Hayden is not calling me because he's, he's overwhelmed with work and he's a forgetful person and he's in resistance to being controlled by me. So I'm going to call a friend and go out to dinner. Or I'm going to go to the gym whenever he's late. Or I'm going to rent a movie and eat in front of the TV whenever he's late. Would you still be so upset? I don't think so, she said. I'm going to try this. I feel better already. Another issue with communication is that quite often what you say isn't what people hear. Communication between partners often gets confusing, and there's a very good reason for this. Most of the time, the words we use have far less impact than the energy behind the words. Therefore, what you say is often not what the other person hears. We're back to intention, because the energy behind a communication is determined by our intention. The difference in energy between the intention to control and the intention to learn is what frequently creates the confusion in communication. And here's an example. In one of my sessions with Joshua, he complained about the fact that his wife, Joan, often gets upset with him over seemingly minor issues. A recent, a recent conflict had occurred over a book she was reading. He had asked her why she was reading that particular book, and she had responded to him with irritation. Joshua, I asked, why were you asking her about the book? Well, I was just curious, he said. Go deeper, I said. Was there anything about the book that was threatening to you? Well, yeah, he said. It was a book about women and codependency. And what was threatening to you, I asked him. I'm afraid of Joan pulling away from me. So which intent do you think was operating at the moment? The intent to control her or the intent to learn about yourself and her? Oh, I guess to be honest, he said, I have to say that I was wanting to control her. When I think back on it, I think my tone of voice might have been blaming and judgmental. Joan always tells me that she hates how much I try to control her, and I always think she's wrong about that. But I actually think I was trying to control her. And, I said, she responded to your intent to control with irritation, which is what's happening frequently in your relationship. Is that right? Yes, he said. So what would I have said if I was open to learning? It's not so much the words as the energy behind the words, I said. The energy behind the words, what are you, wh why are you reading that book, is totally different when the intent is to control than when the intent is to learn. You likely said something like, well, why are you reading that book? The same words can be said with a blaming, shaming edge or with real caring and curiosity. It's your intent that determines the energy behind the words. Joan wasn't responding to the words themselves, but to the blaming and shaming energy behind the words. This is what's causing the confusion for you regarding your communication with her. The exact same words can communicate two totally different things depending on the intention. And the chances are that if you had not felt threatened by the book, you might not have even questioned her about why she was reading it. 
Yes, he said, I can see where that's probably true. Okay, I think I've got it. I've been trying to control her, and that's what she's responding to, not to the words I've been using. Joshua started to notice his intention. Every time Joan got irritated or distant from him, he noticed that his intention was to control. It was a big challenge to shift out of trying to control her, since he'd been doing this most of his life in all of his relationships. But Joshua was very motivated to change. He knew that if he didn't, he ran the risk of losing his marriage. He started to focus on taking loving care of himself and his own feelings instead of trying to change Joan. As Joshua became more aware of his intention, he was able to consciously shift his intent from controlling to learning about taking care of himself. As his intent shifted, the energy of his communications with Joan shifted, and their relationship greatly improved. Joshua was thrilled with the deeper understanding and intimacy that was growing between them. Another thing that's important to understand regarding communication is the vast difference between approval and appreciation. Approval is generally something we give from our ego-wounded self. Approval is generally conditional upon the other person performing in the way we want or expect. Approval can be manipulative and controlling. We often give it with an outcome in mind. We hope that the other person will continue to do what we want as a result of the approval. Appreciation, on the other hand, is generally something we offer from our loving adult. It comes from the heart, and it's offered spontaneously as the heart wells up with feelings of delight, awe, joy, or love regarding another's way of being. Appreciation has much more to do with the person's true essence than with performance. We're appreciating their soul essence, who they are, rather than their performance. There's no attachment to the outcome, no expectation that the other person should or will continue to perform. Appreciation is a true, loving gift, while approval is generally controlling. Often when someone says they want appreciation or do not feel appreciated, what they're really seeking is approval. It's their wounded self who is not feeling seen and appreciated within. The wounded self then projects outward the need to be seen, understood, and appreciated and pulls from others to get this need met. Whenever I hear someone say that they don't feel appreciated, I know that their inner child is not being seen and appreciated and loved by their own inner adult. When we're giving ourselves the attention and appreciation that we need, and we then receive appreciation from others, it feels wonderful. But it's the icing on the cake, not the cake itself. When it becomes the cake itself, then we need to look within and recognize that we've handed over to others the job of defining and validating our own worth. When you share something about yourself with the intent of getting approval, attention, or appreciation, it doesn't feel like sharing to the, other, to the other people. Instead, they feel pulled at to validate you. When you share something about yourself with the intent of offering something to others, 
it generally feels like a gift. We can all challenge ourselves to be aware of our intent of our communication when we offer positive feedback to others. Is it a true gift or is it manipulative with strings attached? And we can challenge ourselves to be aware of our intent when we share things about ourselves. Are we being loving and giving or are we trying to get approval? Next time you want to communicate with your partner or someone else, ask yourself, why do I want to communicate? If you discover that you're wanting to get the other person to change, consider doing an inner bonding process instead, deciding how to take care of yourself instead of trying to get your partner or others to change. You might discover that you get a far better result and that you feel a whole lot better. When two people each learn, like in a partnership, how to take responsibility for their own feelings, to let go of trying to control the other, and to move into an intention to learn about yourselves and each other, you're going to regain your ability to communicate. You don't even need to learn how to communicate. Good communication is natural. When the intention of the communication is to learn rather than to control. And this is what learning and practicing inner bonding teaches you. So I hope you take advantage of all the free and paid resources we have for you at innerbonding.com. I also hope you take my 30-day at-home course to learn to love yourself. It's called Love Yourself, an Inner Bonding Experience to Heal Anxiety, Depression, Shame, Addictions, and Relationships. You can heal your relationship with my 30-day online relationship video course, Wildly, Deeply, Joyously in Love. I'm sending you my love and my blessing.